Hello, everybody. I'm Kia Ora. Today, we will be sharing the best practice strategies to communicate the significance and value of freight uh, while understanding and addressing possible community concerns. Um, we have 122 people registered for today's session, so uh, welcome to you all. My name is Ekaterina. I'm a communications officer at Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session. First of all, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to eldest past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the regional people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. The project uh, that we are focusing on today uh, was delivered under the Transport Network Operations Program, which is managed by Richard Del Place. So a little bit of housekeeping uh, as usual. Um, our presenters will speak for 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. The report today's slides, uh, today's webinar is based on and the presentation slides can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, uh, which you can find on the right hand side of your screen. There's also a question section there, so please use it to send us your questions uh, for the Q&A at any stage during the webinar. If you could let us know the slide number that your question relates to, that would be helpful for us to answer your question as best as we can. Um, you can also use uh, that box to let us know if you have any technical problems. Uh, we've got Elena Gardner with us, um, and she will be helping out behind the scenes. Uh, so if you have any issues, just let Elena know. But just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your connection. So leaving the webinar, closing your browser, and rejoining the session using your registration link usually helps to fix this problem. Um, this session is being recorded um, and we will let you know when the video is available on our website. Also, if you listen to podcasts, uh, you can find Ostrots in your podcast app. So it gives me great pleasure uh, uh, to introduce our panel for today. Drew Gaynor, Anthony Fisk, uh, Christina Chin, and Jack Doyle. Drew Gaynor, Principal Consultant with Level 5 Design, he provides transport advice uh, independently to government and the private sector. Drew has 23 years of government and private sector experience in all modes of transport with particular reference to freight. Anthony Fisk uh, is a director at CGM Communications, a Perth-based consultancy delivering strategic communications across community, government and media. Anthony has been working in senior corporate affairs, issue management and stakeholder engagement roles for the past 20 years and provided communication counsel uh, to some of uh, Western Australia's leading firms. Christina Chin is the state manager for Victoria and principal consultant for Level 5 Design. Christina has been in the transport research industry for 15 years and has been pivotal uh, to the delivery of several heavy vehicle road freight and guideline development projects in Australia and overseas. Jack Doyle is a CGM's assistant researcher. He has an avid interest in public policy analysis and research, which he applies to provide in-depth uh, analytical information and support to CGM's teams and clients. Um, welcome to all of you, uh, and I will hand over to Drew now. Good morning, everyone, and good afternoon for people on the East Coast and in New Zealand and elsewhere. Uh, as Katrina uh, said, uh, my name is Drew Gaynor. I'm just going to go through some of the information uh, at the beginning of the, uh, of the of this webinar. 
And just an introduction to the team that undertook this work, uh, besides uh, the gentleman that we just introduced and Christina. Uh, so uh, the project team was the Osroads Program Manager, Richard Dillplace. And uh, the project manager for this project was Aidan McGann. And I need to just acknowledge Aidan at this point of uh, a lot of work that uh, he did with us uh, when uh, the project was uh, um, changing a little bit in the early stages. Uh, myself as the technical lead um, and the technical reviewer was Kieran Sharp from Level 5 Design. So we had a working group and uh, I'll go on to that slide in just in a moment. Uh, so we had an Alts Roads working group that uh, Level 5 Design and CGM Communications worked to. Uh, the project was then, uh, the report was then sent up to the Osroads Freight Task Force for review and feedback and uh, with amendment, and then it was submitted to the Osroads Board. Okay, so the Osroads Working Group, if I can, uh, I'm not going to read out everybody's name, but I'd like to acknowledge them. Uh, we had uh, people from each jurisdiction and from New Zealand, as well as uh, ALGA, NHVR, uh, Queensland Local Government Association, NTC, and DITRDC. So uh, we've reported to the working group on, on uh, several occasions as the project and the research uh, was being developed. Okay, so the project purpose uh, was to develop best practice strategies and supporting materials uh, for road agencies to communicate the value of road freight tasks. Now this included guidelines that propose a methodology to develop and maintain a united message between public agencies and industry in their effort to communicate the value of freight. Now, uh, it's important to make reference to the National Freight and Supply Chain Strategy and the National Action Plan. Uh, in particular, there was goal six in the National Action Plan, which was an informed understanding and acceptance of freight operations. And in particular, in the National Action Plan, that came out of Action 2.4, which was build community acceptance. So uh, there was a good uh, grounding for this work to, to be undertaken based on, uh, on that strategy. Okay, so the brief involved uh, evolved as we went along, particularly in the early stages, as I mentioned a little while ago, and it was refer further refined by the project working group. It was mainly around how the guidelines would best suit the needs of jurisdictional and New Zealand road managers, and also local government road managers. So we undertook that initially that we, we developed a two-tier communication strategy. Now that included a tier one broad campaign for micro, uh, macro level messaging and the road freight task. And then a second tier, which was a localized campaign for lower level messaging. This included the development of toolkits for both campaigns. Toolkits constitu constituted a step-by-step -step process on how to undertake a campaign and communication tools that might be appropriate at those various levels. Communication tools, tools were tailored. Okay, so the tier two was intended to cover localized campaigns for state and territory road managers, but also for local government road managers. However, there was a further refinement made at this point and the working group decided that the communication strategy was, re, uh, was required to better meet the needs of the local government campaign, uh, local government campaign managers, I should say. 
And so there was a further variation to this project uh, reflecting that. There was another part that we decided to put into uh, that tier three, as we now call the local government campaign level. And that was uh, a local government campaign implementation template linking to that tier three toolkit. And uh, that was developed and that's in appendix A of this report. Now the communication strategy and its three tiers of campaigns uh, will be discussed later in greater detail by Anthony. So just a couple of extra slides about the methodology as we move through today. And in context and issues, uh, the, key, the key criteria for this was articulating a social license to operate, examining why community understanding and a positive perception is important for the growing freight task, uh, understanding the impact on the freight industry and governments as road managers by not having community support, which is very, very fundamental. I'm just going to hand over to Anthony now to go through in more detail the context and issues. Thank you. And uh, Jack can interrupt me at any time. He's got anything to add. Uh, so I think to start with, well, what is social license? Because it's an increasingly popular term, particularly uh, where we're from, which is Western Australia in the mining industry. Um, and I mean, essentially, it's the development and maintenance of community and stakeholder support, projects, operations for an industry. Um, it's intangible, it moves around a lot, um, but it can be earned through community engagement practices and through communication that help manage and meet uh, stakeholder expectations. So we're looking at this as there's going to be um, a certain level of uh, social license to operate for, for the freight industry and for road managers and how do we improve it, how do we maintain it, how do we manage the negative impacts, I guess, uh, that, that can come out of building projects. Um, look, it is, it is difficult to conceptualise and it's difficult to gauge um, because communities and stakeholder groups are, are rarely the same. Everyone will have different views. Uh, so it's a pretty complex system and it means that we have to put in a bit of research time to think about the communities we're communicating with um, to develop that, that social capital. And look, there's four key elements that we've brought out here of uh, social licence to operate which are really tiered in uh, the way that we look at them. So the first kind of foundation, I guess, for social licence to operate is um, uh, legitimate benefits. So are there actual benefits conferred on the community by what you're doing or the project that you're implementing? Then we move through to social contract, which is community perceptions, um, which could occur through public campaigning, raising awareness, so that kind of outward communication to raise uh, a social contract with the organisation that's that's doing certain things, which support, which talks to the legitimate benefits. Social capital is the next stage, and this is where we spend a lot of time in, in the report looking at how do we build our stakeholder uh, engagement? How do we, you know, involve them in the decision-making process so that they feel that they have um, some involvement in the project and, and that helps build social capital. Finally, you know, this is this dream level of institutionalised trust where the community and stakeholder trust around a project and its operators continue to deliver, deliver their promises. So this is an ongoing kind of view. Um, and this, you know, this idea of social licence is, is often regarded as a cumulative process. So you're not going to get everything straight away and it's a process we need to go through and that's why 
the report is so long, I guess, because there's, there's, it's, a, it's a, uh, something you need to do over time. Um, well, in terms of context, uh, this is a, obviously an increasing issue because freight industry is projected to significantly expand in the next few years. This means more pollution, more noise, um, becomes more visible within communities. And so there's a significant challenge in, in developing support for the industry. Um, you know, population will continue to grow, require more roads and freight infrastructure. Um, these external externalities will continue to, to impact um, freight industry growth unless um, you know they're left they're, they're addressed. In terms of community engagement, um, social licensed operators rely on open and frequent community engagement to demonstrate project benefits and value uh, to local communities. Uh, and this is an essential practice to align industry interests with community interests. So what we're saying here is virtually impossible to develop any degree of acceptance, approval or trust for your projects without being able to communicate economic community and other benefits that it brings. And that's through community engagement. Community resistance is interesting. There's increasing, um, and I think some of you may have identified as part of the research that we did, that there's increasing resistance from certain groups, green groups, smaller community groups, uh, and they're able to organise a lot more easily now using Facebook and other social media tools. Um, so the internet is providing a medium for concerned stakeholders to connect and form alliances and mobilise against pro projects. I mean, all this kind of gets to, to the point of a loss of community support and, and the impact on that and not having a social licence to operate means that government tends to get involved, which has an impact on infrastructure projects, which has impact on government decision making and an impact, I guess, overall on industry, industry efficiency. Back to Christina. Christina. Yes. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, as part of this project, um, a national and international literature review was undertaken. And the uh, literature review also included an assessment of national and jurisdictional community consultation plans. Um, six case studies were identified. Um, at the beginning, the, the report only called for three similar case studies to be included. Um, but we found that uh, there was uh, very little like-to-like -like scenarios or we couldn't really compare apples to apples. So we had to think out of the box. Um, and so the search expanded beyond road freight to include mining, rail and airports. But all these six case studies, um, they were selected because they all had similar principles and illustrated the feasibility of process components. Now for today's presentation, I won't uh, dwell too much into the findings of the literature review, but I will showcase uh, the case studies and I will um, talk more about the observations and the communication methods used as bring home messages for today. So as you can see, these are the six case studies um, identified in the report. Um, they are a broad range, as mentioned. It's not only on road freight, it's got um, rail, uh, which is this one here, the Italian one. And it's also not just confined to Australia, it's, it's pretty international. Uh, we've got mining, uh, we've got an airport, um, and of course we've got this uh, uh, a road freight one. Uh, so let's get started. So the first case study is, of course, the FLCWA Social Licence to Operate. Uh, as part of this uh, project, uh, they had a nine-stage methodology 
in the development of its social license to operate. Uh, it included uh, focus groups, uh, literature review, um, population survey, uh, community research, and etc. But basically, the outcomes of uh, from all this from the community research provided insights and useful data to develop the communication strategy for FLCWA. Um, as you can see in this diagram here, the first stage was um, get the general public in Perth, so to identify, um, to engage with your audience. Uh, second one, to appreciate that there are two sides to every story. Um, provide a multiple angle approach to your audience. Um, put a positive spin on a negative concern. So don't hide away from it, don't shy away from the negative concern, but show that how industry plans to um, address the negative concern to alleviate the issue by shedding um, a more positive light on it. And the third one is advertising campaign, dramatizing the campaign to increase awareness and to create interest to both sides um, of the story. At times, gamification and interactive approach um, engagement could shift perception. The second case study uh, is the Italian case study. Now, this is a, a real one, the Campania Metro uh, system. Now, this project uh, was aimed to improve on the quality of public transport, regional public transport, and to reduce on environmental impacts. Uh, very interestingly, the communication strategy that they have adopted here is very similar to uh, one of the findings from the literature review that you can see in the report, uh, which is the campaign was, was time-specific, place-specific, issue-specific, and stakeholder-specific. So what's the bring-home message here, which is an effective communication strategy needs to be tailored to the audience and the circumstances. If not, um, you could run into uh, the risk uh, of, of not achieving um, an effective uh, approach and uh, risk in your process of engagement and in your action plan as well. Now, the third case study is, is an airport case study. Everybody knows that um, there's lots of backlash uh, from community you know, from an airport because the negative externalities from an airport, such as um, noise, uh, pollution, and um, even traffic jam, can be can be really negative. And so, what the Venice Airport in Los Angeles have done is they have adopted a range of community partnerships to increase trust and visibility in order to decrease the negative impact caused by public backlash. And this picture here shows one of the programs that they have um, they have adopted, which is to engage with kids, with school children. So organizing school parties, um, school visits, um, coloring books, um, activities, and even hosting aviation career um, education program for for school children. So the observation here is to establish this emotional connection uh, with the community through reach out programs in order to create relationship. Now, this one is on mining. As um, you know, Anthony has mentioned just now that you know, social license to operate uh, has been identified as sort of a qualification for the mining companies. 
So mining companies, they are increasingly aware that they need to obtain this community acceptance and not just by obtaining um, regulatory approval and formal permits. Um, because they know that social license to operate uh, from community is their qualification uh, to avoid unnecessary conflict. Now, this model here uh, is obtained from Moffat and Zhang 2014. If you are interested in, in reading more about this, um, go to the report, the reference list, you will find out um, information about uh, this particular reference. This model is an integrated community acceptance model. Uh, and it stresses on trust being paramount, and you can see here, once you've got trust from the community, once you've built trust, you will then be able to obtain acceptance and approval from the community. And what are the building blocks? The important building blocks are here, and which is to be truthful, to be open, and to have that positive um, interaction with your community. Now, the last case study um, is actually uh, a Slovenian case study on um, social marketing perspective on road freight uh, of fruit and vegetables. In the report, it's actually a Slovenian case study, but what I've shown you here today is something closer to home um, because both of them actually have the same marketing campaign, which is to encourage um, children to eat more uh, fruits and vegetables. For adults, uh, you, you'll be very familiar with, with this picture. Every meal should include half a plate of fruit and veggies. But there is also another, another picture here, which is eat a rainbow. Now this is probably, it's very, it's more appealing to, to children. Uh, make half your, it's the same message, um, but in a different approach. Just last week, my, my three-year-old came back from childcare with a note to say that the childcare is developing a, a recipe book, encouraging families to um, contribute our recipes our favorite recipes, um, once again, with the message of eating more fruits and veggies. And, and my child asked me, do you know how many colors I've eaten today? So what, what's the bring home message that we can see here? Uh, number one is there is no one size fits all. At times you might need a combination of uh, media approach. And another thing is to establish a personal connection and engagement, because we know that it can have a ripple effect because people can be influenced by our significant others. And it's a very powerful um, powerful strategy. So this brings me to the last slide from my presentation today. Uh, key observations, which I have already uh, talked about um, in my last few slides when I went through the uh, case studies, but I'll just go through this very quickly. So what the observations are, develop a campaign that acknowledges key concerns and demonstrates an action plan. Social license to operate is essential to avoid community conflict. Get in early and maintain, maintain an ongoing community involvement. Um, Anthony has also mentioned that, um, you know, it's a, it's a long process, but we, we need to be truthful and open about it because you social license to operate, you need to earn that trust, but it's not forever. It can be taken away from you. Leverage on the established relationship to engage in open discussion. And once again, there is no one size fits all. Uh, thank you. And over to you, Drew. Okay. Uh, so the consultation uh, was was uh, extensive. Uh, we had 17 interviews, all with the PRG members, which is another name for the working group, and also selected industry and freight councils. 
Uh, we also undertook a survey and we went to the seven state-based local government associations, went out to 38 local governments in all states except Northern Territory, and uh, 13 logistics council and industry associations. And you can see there that we received direct replies from 38 local government, um, uh, local government um, uh, councils, 11 responses, and from the logistics councils and industry associations, six. Now, we would have liked more uh, on the survey to get a broader depth, but we can report that the responses that we did receive were very, very comprehensive, and uh, you can see those in the appendix uh, at the back of the report. So just touching on a couple of the key message points that, uh, that uh, came back from the, uh, the direct interviews and the survey work, uh, you can see them up there, uh, inform people of the economic and social benefits of freight, explain how important freight is to Australia and to everyday life for everybody, uh, the freight industry's safety first culture, uh, new freight vehicles are positive for the environment, PBS we're talking about here, and, and in the future electric, uh, efficient freight keeps prices down, freight employs thousands of people, all levels of government have a role to play and minimise negative perceptions of freight. Now, this, I guess, can be summarised in, into four uh, key themes, and that is safety, uh, service delivery, employment, and the environment. And uh, these themes are coming up now in the next section where Anthony is going to describe the communication strategy and, uh, and uh, also the campaign levels. Just before I go over to Anthony, though, uh, just a reminder that uh, if you can send through your questions to us, uh, they will go through with Katarina and, uh, and uh, we can uh, answer those at the end. Anthony. Excellent, thank you, Drew. So I just wanted to point out that I, I really like that model that um, Christina was talking through in, in relation to building trust before you can get an acceptance and approval. Uh, so it's, 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 it's the basis of how we um, are going to be running this communication strategy, which is really around well, how do you make sure that you build trust within the community so that you could, that they listen to you? Um, so the intent uh, that we had was to, to establish and demonstrate the economic benefits of the freight industry. We've worked out, of course, through our research that people worry about their economic future, worry about how they put food on the table. So it's really important that you talk to them about those things. It is, a, it is an industry that can support um, economic development. How does that happen for me personally? building high trust, uh, high level trust with communities. And we spoke, we've heard Christine talking about being honest, getting in early, not hiding from the, you know, the, the bad things, I guess, of the industry, but addressing them. Um, and that's something we can do to build high level trust. Uh, show the broader benefits of freight. So how does this uh, impact the whole world, the social benefits of, of freight? Uh, and then the other point in relation to building this communication strategy was to, the dual that build a legitimacy required for stakeholders to actively approve the freight industry. So by that I mean, how do you get support from your stakeholders who can then talk on your behalf uh, in relation to, to this campaign? Now, on the right-hand side, we've worked through uh, the campaign objectives, which are kind of a bit summarised there. Uh, in terms of um, explaining, that's about increased awareness of the connected supply chain. So explaining that link between the consumer goods the community relies on, gets on the table, 
and then this kind of ethereal global supply chain that provides it. So how do we make those links? So that's important for, for this strategy. The second thing is about recognition, and that's drive recognition of the freight industry. So people understand that it employs people, that it's uh, you know that it's it's necessary for, for the functioning of the economy, uh, that it's 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 supplies goods and services, keeps the world functioning. So there's that recognition piece, and the final piece that we look at is the value the ben and the benefits industry brings. And so in terms of direct and indirect economic benefits, which I've spoken about before, employment, small business benefits, and doing this in an interesting and engaging way. And that's uh, the campaign. And you can see by doing that, we, ex we expect to move from acceptance and ensure that this is uh, delivered properly. So how have we uh, structured this campaign? Um, I think Drew's spoken about this a little bit, but so there's three tiers to this campaign. Uh, and we have worked through this so that there are similar ways of attacking a campaign, no matter who your audience is, whether it's a tier one broad-based uh, audience, which is national or state-based campaign, or a more localized campaign, such as you know, rerouting trucks through a, lo a local area or a proposed major new route that goes through a few local government areas. Um, and then we've even done a, a third uh, tier, which was, as you know, Drew said, in, in response to some um, requests from industry, which is to have a local government campaign. And that's a specialised campaign, and there's a toolkit associated with that um, that people can use, for, uh, local government road managers can use. In terms of the campaign relationship, um, they have common themes, common objectives, uh, and yet different in delivery to meet the needs of the audience. So we've done the hard work in terms of themes and messaging and some of the initial research, which you can then use for your campaigns. So there's this common uh, basis, I guess, for communication. And then the work is required from each of you who you know, decide to, to follow this toolkit. Uh, is to you know work out well who are my audiences what do they want and I'll go through that in some kind of detail in a minute but there is a flexibility uh, because we've used the same approach for each of the campaign you can with, I mean if we had our druthers we'd want to have the tier one campaign pushing out all these great messages and then you follow it with a tier two campaign for your own uh, project and then there might be a you know a third campaign that goes underneath that would get much more cut through but it can be it can work uh, anyway. So how do we um, how do we look at campaign uh, campaigns? We have a, a ten step kind of consideration process when it comes to campaign, uh, and I'll go through the tier one campaign so you get an understanding of what we need to look at here. Uh, it's kind of set out in each of the different tiers as to how you might interpret this for your own audience, um, but these are the considerations you need to to be make uh, to be thinking about when you're when you're building your campaign. Um, so, for example, tier one, this is the audience. In, in tier one, there's a general public, um, and it, it goes across um, people who are not typically negatively impacted by freight. It's about focusing on raising awareness and visibility of freight and its benefits. I'm talking about the tier one campaign. Your campaign might be different, and it might have a different uh, focus. The footprint uh, for the tier one campaign is, uh, you know, it will be national or, or state-based, depending on who's running it. Uh, the themes and messaging, we've gone to some effort in working out what themes and messaging would work 
based on the feedback from, from the industry, but also the research that we've done and Christina has done. And I'll go through that in, on the next slide. Um, content, content's really important for this campaign. I think um, we've spent a bit of time on it because the challenge identified from research is how to make this informational messaging engaging and, and compelling for you know, an otherwise disinterested public audience, to be frank. Um, and then to make sure that those core messages are, are seen and re retained by the public. So it's about simplicity, but it's also about making sure that the content is interesting and engaging. Uh, so we've, we've um, recommended that there's some work done in testing your messaging, in testing your content and your materials uh, with your public to make sure it's kind of working because it is a dry subject. So it's important that, that uh, you know, that there's messaging iconic, iconography, you know, visual design elements, videos, those things are considered as part of the campaign. Um, in terms of the ask, this will vary. Uh, usually it's to, to get support, um, but you might ask them to, for, for the community to, to do something. So, for example, join a Facebook page or, you know, write to a local member or, you know, something that would, would build support and, and you can see that support growing. Uh, communication tools, I'll go through in some dis, uh, detail, but we think there needs to be a range of different communication tools from, from websites to social media to free media to education kits, uh, signage and branding. Use the tools that you already have. You have signage, there might be some ways that you can get allies to be putting branding on trucks and so forth. Uh, so there's, we think that it's important that you have various communication tools. Uh, in scalability, this is where we look at reach and frequency, and that's going to depend on your audience. I think allies are really important. Um, thinking about um, state agencies, local governments, unions, you know, those types of organisations that can help support your campaign and share it with, you know, more and varied audiences. Um, maintaining social licence is, you know, is a continuous challenge. So duration is an interesting question. We think there should be some seasonal spikes and so forth, but we would recommend that there's an always on campaign for the for, for tier one campaign, um, because this is a long-term process in ensuring that people have an understanding of your industry and value it and build that social license to operate. Of course, that's very dependent on resourcing. So uh, that's an, obviously um, an important consideration. and. How do we scale this up and down given the various resourcing? We've looked at um, case studies which they're looking at tens of thousands of dollars, not, not millions of dollars. So it can be scaled up and down based on your requirements. In terms of messaging, so these are the, the messages that we've identified as probably having the most cut through. Um, and based on some research we've done, some of which was in Victoria, uh, so the other case studies which are contained in this report, and feedback from the industry. The first message that um, was seen as the most important was safety. Uh, and that the freight, you know, the freight industry is committed to the highest level of safety through professional standards, uncompromising safety messages. That was really important. And that's one of the messages that I think you should be thinking about testing in, depending on your audience and seeing if that is gonna have some cut through. The idea of the supply chain is a chain. Uh, this was seen as really important that it's, We've, this is this is a network, but it has impacts on 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 a local on local people. So how do you build that story of the supply chain and how it links back to to communities and to individuals? Uh, freight is the lifeblood of our economy, and 
this is important in terms of demonstrating economic benefits of employment and so forth. Uh, there's some really good messaging that we think you have there. Um, of course, trade, bringing consumables to our door. And this idea of the future is green, because we've identified that there's more and more um, green groups, there's more and more issues um, in the community around uh, you know, CO2 emissions and so forth. It's an, it's an international movement. Uh, and I think you need to recognise that and think about well, how do we address that? What can we talk about in terms of the positive things we're doing uh, when it comes to the environment? So these are the tier one messages that each campaign can, can use you know, elements of those or all of those depending on, on the needs of your campaign. So thinking about tier two and tier three campaigns, again, it's the same model, so um, it's consistent throughout. And as I've said before, you know, you've got these seven campaign steps, but we've already done the desktop research, we've done the themes and messaging development. Then we talk about how you do the community testing to ensure that depending on your audience, and we've talked about that before, all communities are different uh, and all stakeholders are different. So it's important to do that testing to make sure you get getting cut through. And then we go through that that ten uh, um, view, you know, ten step approach, I guess, for campaign strategy and planning. So that's all in there as well. Uh, and uh, I'll go through a little bit about content and what kinds of content you might want to use. Uh, so in terms of the summary of the communication tools that we've got here, it's really dependent on what you're trying to achieve. But we've gone through a whole lot of different um, aspects, and this this is to try and get people engaged in our campaign. So how do we get stakeholder group engagement? How do we get you know, wider stakeholder group engagement like um, having a conference or a citizen's jury or a referendum or an exhibition or public meetings? So you'll notice that this is not just about advertising to people and sending out a message. This is about engaging, understanding what their needs are, getting them involved in the campaign at the very beginning and getting them to decide how they want to be communicated with, but also potentially, you know, the actual project, how they can be involved in changing that project project, and uh, being involved in the scope and contributing positive things which might improve that project. So there's quite a lot of information in here and how you might do that as well. Uh, there's been some work done by the industry, so I just want to recognise, recognise that. Um, there's been some you know, attempts to improve the image of the industry um, and social license to operate. Um, we've talked about in Western Australia and the Freight, uh, the Freight Logistics Council, um, the Industry Road Safety Allowance, uh, Alliance in Western Australia has also done some campaigning. The Australian Truck Trucking Association ran a community engagement initiative called the Road Ahead. And you can see there it has the, on the top right hand side of your of your slide, it's um, a semi-trailer with interactive displays and presentations centered on behaviors of road users. There's the Telemate campaign, which is on the left-hand side, uh, and that was the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator, um, and they partnered with Shane Jacobson um, to do a lot of small videos around uh, safety. So have a look out for that. And then finally, I, want some, I just wanted to show you something from Main Roads Heavy Vehicle Services. Uh, and they've released a video on the importance of road freight to every household in WA called Freight Matters. I'll show you the video now. What makes the perfect breakfast? A sum, fresh fruit. 
for others, it's wholesome grains. The choice is yours. 24 hours a day, there is a whole industry ensuring that you have that choice. Trucks on our roads are making this happen. Freight matters. Good. I just I just showed you that, and thank you to Main Roads WA um, for sharing that with us. I think that's a good example of a T1 campaign. Uh, look, we're running short of time. I'm mindful of that, so uh, we're almost finished. This is the local government for the Tier Three campaign. There's an actual template which provides some practical guides for you know some hypothetical scenario, and that's in your um, your kit as well. And the, the scenario we looked at was a distribution centre, uh, increased freight traffic on surrounding roads. So it's a realistic um, uh, scenario. Uh, and this just gives you an idea of how we would have attacked that from a communications perspective using the toolkit. So that's, um, that has some flexibility to be used no matter what your needs are. I'll move over to Drew. Thank you. Okay, we're just about there. Um, just wanted to touch on uh, the recommendation out of the report. Now, this research report doesn't lend itself to a set of recommendations as such. It's effectively developing um, the campaigns and a set of tools for all levels of, of government to an industry to have a look at how they might uh, undertake a campaign. However, we do believe that, you know, that, that state and territory governments um, might want to consider developing a tier one campaign to communicate the value of freight, uh, particularly relevant in the in the in the current uh, pandemic um, COVID-19 environment, and how valuable freight has been to the community and uh, keeping um, keeping everything running between the states. Uh, now, the campaigns could be undertaken with industry to provide um, a uniform or a comprehensive message. Now, just expanding on that just a fraction, um, we think that you know. A T1 campaign could either be undertaken within a jurisdiction or it could be across some jurisdictions, for argument's sake, um, Hume Highway and it could be Victoria and New South Wales or even or even Queensland. So it could be inter-jurisdictional. Inter um, and we do believe that uh, at that level, industry should be involved with that. So it should be a collaborative effort between road managers and, uh, and, uh, and the industry. Uh, just Beyond that recommendation when we developed this report um, uh, and reflecting the local government campaign template, uh, there has been some interest in that and uh, that could also be an opportunity to undertake a pilot program uh, for, uh, for, the, for the local government at the tier three level uh, to trial that in their particular area if they've got a particular issue. Okay, so questions, uh, Ekaterina, we can come back to you and we can take questions as such. Um, well, thanks so much, um, to our awesome panel. A very interesting presentation. 
Um, and we have a few questions and I'm just going to jump to slide 27. Um, and here, Anthony, um, you talked about not hiding uh, the bad things from the community and addressing them. So how do you address um, perceptions of safety? There seems to be a strong community perception that heavy vehicles are dangerous and cause fatalities and injuries. So how would you suggest addressing those concerns? I might actually hand over to Christina because she's done the research on this and she might be able to give us an insight. Sorry. One of the ideas, uh, you know, that I would share is to not hide from it, um, to possibly put a positive spin on uh, a negative concern. Um, I think from one of the case studies, uh, just like the, the airport one, you know, um, say th there are a whole list of um, concerns from 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 airports. Um, and so they, they tackle it up front by showing that they actually do care and they're concerned about it um, by tackling it up front, um, not hide from it to say that, oh yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll sort that out later, but how we're gonna address it and partner with your um, community to come up with ways to uh, establish uh, an action plan, um, how we're gonna uh, uh, address the, the negative issue, but to shed more light on it, to, to turn it around to make it positive. Thanks Christina. Um, did you guys have any consultations with community representatives uh, when you were developing this communication strategy? Did you um, have any input from them on how they should be um, communicated with and engaged with? No, we, we didn't. We, we kept it to where uh, what I said was the interviews and and the um, and the local government. The local government survey was particularly referencing at that local level to the the interests of the working group to to make sure that the local councils uh, and and that I guess that very personable engagement at a local community level was understood in developing a, a tier three campaign. But specific community groups as such, no, we we didn't because this is very much a research uh, um, project. Uh, without a particular project in mind, it was really just developing those tools. So what we have is how do you do that? So I think what we've come to the conclusion of is that because every community is different, we've put some advice on how do you you know engage with your community. So that that's in there for everybody to to go through a step by step process in building a campaign. That's really important that we know what our community wants and needs. Thanks, Anthony. So was talk about uh, the needs of our communities and how would road agencies um, engage with the industry in developing um, their campaign strategies? What your advice uh, would be on that? Well, I think I think the, the Freight and Logistics Council of Western Australia's social licence to operate um, has engaged a government, uh, particularly uh, Department of Transport in West Australia and Main Roads in Western Australia, as part of the Freight and Logistics Council, so they're they're meshed into the into the particular uh, um, overseeing um, group of the Freight and Logistics Council. So there can be that interaction uh, between road managers. Uh, notwithstanding that this report was about how could road managers uh, undertake um, a campaign, but nevertheless, the higher up the tiers, particularly at tier one level, 
uh, industry really needs to be involved and there needs to be a collaborative effort. Yeah. The only thing I'd add is that we do spend a bit of time on stakeholders and getting stakeholder support. And what I think I kind of mentioned in, in, in the presentation was that um, you might be road operators, but there may be some, you know, friendly freight uh, transporters that want to publish the same messages on their trucks. So we, we mm -hmm. provide some guidance on how you, um, you know, blue collar unions might be supportive of, of what you're trying to achieve. Safety organisations might be interested in that. So it's about collecting, um, you know, a bunch of allies, I guess, and, and, and ensuring that they're communicating the same message. But that requires uh, some work at the beginning and there's some advice on how to do that. If, if I could just add to that, even at mm -hmm. the tier three level, let's say we have a, a um, uh, using that example, that scenario that we had about a distribution centre, well, local government could engage with the, the proprietor of that particular distribution centre to engage with the community and become one of what part of the community. So it's not just coming from yeah. the local government road manager, it could be coming from the uh, the activity area where uh, where the freight will be generated yeah. from. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, uh, thanks, Drew. Um, another question is, um, is there any consideration for various modes of freight or is this purely focused on road freight? Yeah, um, look, good question. Um, and look, uh, we, we sort of put that into some context at the beginning of the report in the introduction. So what we say is that these, these campaigns can be used for rail as well, uh, but because Ausroads is, is, is truck and road, road focus. That's where the focus went. But it's an interesting point in terms of if you use the example of a new intermodal terminal. So whilst you might be removing a lot of trucks for long haul and you're putting the containers on rail, every rail operation has a, has a truck operation attached to it as part of the supply chain. So you might get an activity area of an intermodal terminal which will generate a lot more short haul truck movements in the immediate vicinity of the intermodal terminal. They may not be on the highway so much anymore or in the long haul because they're on rail, but they still have to be collected by trucks or delivered to the intermodal terminal by trucks. So we believe that this, this campaign, uh, this strategy and the campaign levels can be applied to both, but uh, we shouldn't be seeing it either rail or, or road. I think road is an integral part of any rail operation when it comes to freight. Uh, thank you, Drew. So in terms of um, um, applying this strategy to uh, various things, so do you see um, any value in also promoting the transition to autonomous vehicles because of their potential safety benefits and uh, how would this model apply to autonomous vehicles? Yeah, no, I think that's a, that, that's a really good point. And there's a few issues, <laughs> other issues associated with autonomous I mean, positive is safety and, and environment and so forth, but um, there's a, some negative um, employment uh, issues that need to be addressed. So it, it is part of the campaign. So, so this is the elements we talked about safety, that would be included under safety. You know, green, that's something that we need to include under that. But there'll be new issues that come out um, that need to be tested. And you know, that the framework still works no matter what the issues are. This is really a broad look at how do we improve social license for the industry. Uh, and there'll be specific things we want to talk about like automation, like you know, the environmental movement, like safety, like whatever. Um, and, and that they're all included as themes. 
Um, but the way that we've looked at it is, let's, let's go back a little bit, let's get a helicopter and think about how do we improve uh, the industry perceptions? How do we improve acceptance for, for, for a project? And maybe one of those things we use is to say, there'll be more automation and it'll be cleaner mm -hmm. and it will be faster and whatever. Um, with, but also, you know, as Christina pointed out quite clearly, being honest about the implications of that to a local community because we've also identified that economic benefits are crucial to selling this, um, any campaign. Economic benefits for the community and for individuals. So it's important for us to recognise the employment issues that may come with automation. Thanks, Anthony. Um, I'm going to take us to slide uh, 36, where you talked about the uh, local government template. So can um, can the template be used for different scenarios? Yes. Yes, it can be used for different scenarios. But to, the local government template actually uses exactly the same model as the previous two models. But what we do mm -hmm. is we just, we just develop the, it for a specific scenario. So it can be used for different scenarios using the same model. But what we did was we thought we'd make it easier for people at the local government level to understand how this might be actually done in real life um, because it can be seen as a bit kind of academic unless you're, you're used to doing it. Uh, so this gives you like, I would go speak to this person or I would go out to this community group and it provides a step-by-step -step process. You know, I think when it comes to um, your own scenario, you'll have to change things and use the, uh, the model which is contained in the in, in the report to, to develop to develop those but you know you may depending on your resources you may require some assistance to get that done yeah so what we did was we just selected one as an example so you can you can insert in your particular issue that you have at a local government level and then apply the the, uh, the tools to that particular one so we we had some discussion about which scenario we would use and we we picked that distribution center we thought that was about the middle of the road, uh, so no pun intended. So, um, you know, just think about that. It's not that template does not work only to that scenario. It's to be applied. It's a flexible approach that can be applied to any particular scenario. We just gave one to show how practically it would work. Yeah. Thanks so much. Um, so, speaking of tiers, um, is there any um, an appropriate sequence to to the T's or um, do local government have to uh, wait uh, for a state government tier one campaign or can they proceed independently? Uh, no, they don't require to wait for anything. The, the best the best order, as I said before, was to have the to have them all operating, <laughs> to have a tier one broad-based campaign, which introduces the idea of the value of freight and why it's important to the economy and so forth. Then you know you're getting down to your tier twos and threes where you can talk about specific community benefits. Makes it easier to talk about those things when the community's already got some uh, perception that this is a valuable industry and that it's going to be creating jobs and you know safe and etc. And then mm -hmm. for you to be talking about specific issues that relate to you know my backyard essentially. So yes, tier one really supports the communication at tier two and tier three level but it's not necessary for, for it to, to, to occur. Thank you, Anthony. Um, and I think I'm going to ask um, one last question before we finish the Q&A. Um, so what should agencies do to make sure that their social license um, remains positive after uh, they finish the campaign? 
I think they should just continue engaging. I mean, Anthony, you mentioned this before that a campaign should, I mean, dependent on resources, continue going, continue using those assets that you've developed, continue leveraging that social capital you've developed with community and community groups to continue talking to people, maintain those relationships that you've worked so hard to develop in communities, especially in communities that are the most directly impacted by freight logistics operations. Um, so in that sense, I mean, it should be seasonal um, in that when resistance is the strongest or the highest or when you're, uh, you're at a peak in operations or when you're developing a new project, that's when you have the most campaign activity. You're really fighting to develop that baseline of legitimate benefits. But even after that, you should still continue to exploit those assets that you've developed and the social capital you've developed with the community. Thanks so much, Chuck. Um, well, I think that brings us to the um, end um, of the Q&A and the end of our webinar. Um, thanks so much to um, our panel and thanks so much to our um, audience and, and their questions. Um, so before we wrap up, I just wanted to say a few words about our next uh, sessions um, on the schedule. So we have two sessions left this year and a number of webinars scheduled for next year. So the session on the 3rd of December uh, may be of particular interest to all of you. Uh, it will focus on interrupted traffic flow theory and emerging best practice in the assessment of simple and complex uh, traffic scenarios in Australia and New Zealand. So please visit our website um, to register. So thanks again um, to our presenters and to our audience for being with us today. Uh, we hope the session was informative and useful for all of you. Um, after we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Uh, please take a couple of minutes to fill it in and send us your feedback. We do read it all. Uh, it is very important for us to understand what you like, what you didn't like, and um, what suggestions you have for our future webinars. So thanks again again everyone uh, and stay well and safe and enjoy the rest of your day and we hope to see you next time.